Ladies and gentlemen, we're back here with part two of the Piedmont Blues um, podcast here at Sparkle City Sessions. Brought to you by the Hub City, uh, Hub City Music Society and the New Way Lounge. We'd like to thank Tommy for his support. Uh, Steve, thanks for being here. Freddie, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's let's keep the ball rolling here. Let's go on to our other uh, another couple of music. We're going to do two musicians here at one time because they played together. Uh, Sonny Terry, Sonny Terry, and um, Brownie McGee. They were a duet for a long time. Uh, Sonny Terry was born in 1911 and died in 1986. He was born in Georgia. And Brownie was born in 1915 and died in 19, uh, 1996. And he was born in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, I believe. I met him in Nashville in 77 or 78. Now, I read that these guys were really loved on the circuit when they were together. But, and, and when they were on stage, it was like, you know, they'd been good friends for 20-something years, but when they were off stage, they couldn't stand each other. <laughs> you'll have that. Yeah, you'll have that. That's unfortunate. Uh, but uh, on a note, uh, Ry Cooter and Taj Mahal just put out an album this, I think, this month of uh, all Brown and McGee and Sonny Terry tunes. See, that's pretty cool yeah, that, they've, that they've done that. See, yeah, Taj Mahal is, is, is one of these guys, too, but he come along a little bit later. He wouldn't want – the reason why we're not talking about Taj Mahal and Kev Moe and all these other guys that are kind of keeping it going is because they wasn't born in the time frame that we're talking about, or, or we would be talking about them, and, and Taj Mahal especially. Taj Mahal's played here in Spartanburg quite a few times. I played with him. Yep, Freddie played with him. That, that was at Doggone's, which was a very beloved bar here in town for about eight or ten years. Play solo. We played piano and guitar. Didn't need nobody. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about on them guys? Uh, you know, I can't see. I, I, the Roaring Twenties was is so weird to me that I can't see how this style of music became popular for that little bit of time and then just fell out. Then nobody cared about it until like the 60s. Okay. So. What happened? pretty much in a nutshell is like I said earlier how the, the black population and the white population uh, were funneled into uh, to be called different things even though they played the same music basically uh, when the Great Depression hit nobody could afford to buy recordings anymore and they wasn't played on the radio no you, well you didn't uh, you didn't hear blues on the radio in the 20s, really. No. And so, um, yeah, so uh, it just, um, when people couldn't afford them, uh, they just uh, kind of fell by the wayside. And another thing is uh, shellac was, uh, which uh, recordings were made you know, earlier on were, were made on shellac. Real heavy, and the, heavy and that, albums. And that was uh, that was used for the the war effort, and so uh, yeah, it's just like uh, Gibson guitars during the World War II. A lot of them have uh, mahogany tops on them, 
simply because Spruce was commandeered for the war effort. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear a lot of ambient noises, we're actually in the bar here, sitting in the back where the where they throw darts, and luckily they're not throwing darts, because Freddie, last time he was here, almost got darted, and nobody likes to get darted. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm speaking firsthand experience on that. Uh, I've almost got darted. I was walking across a room one time, Freddie, and a guy just wasn't even paying attention and was across a room and just threw a dart, and it, I had a hat on and it stuck in the plastic part in the hat. So I got really lucky about not getting darted. That was throwing, pretty... throwing marks where people are drinking, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Like throwing axes and drinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up for that. No, I, I don't even go to those places just because, you know, some, some postman might get angry and start chomping at people, you know. Uh, they may lock you in a cage, too, so I don't know. Um... Uh, you guys want to, have you got any songs by Brownie? Uh, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to let Steve and Freddie do a song by Brownie McGee. And uh, we'll keep the music rolling. Well, I'm a stranger here and I just rolled in the town. I'm a stranger rolled in your town And just because I'm a stranger Please don't dog me around I wonder how in the world Can you treat a poor stranger so Tell me how in the world Do you treat a poor stranger so And like the good book said You're gonna have to read just what you sow Going back home, if I have to wear 99 pairs of shoes, I'm going back home.
That was great, man. You guys are really bringing the Piedmont Blues to us today, and I appreciate it. Cause uh, it, it doesn't get—I mean, it gets a lot of a lot of love, but it doesn't get nowhere near as much love as it should. Uh, let's go on. Let's talk about Reverend Gary Davis, cause he is one of the main guys that's actually was here in South Carolina. Spent a lot of his time at the school and deaf school for the deaf and blind, right just down the street in Camp Croft. He uh, he was born in. Uh, he was born in 1896 and lived till 1972. He was at the School for the Deaf and Blind in 1914 and stayed there until 1919 when he met, uh, his, I guess, his first wife. Because I don't think he was married. Just, I think he was married more than once, I believe, if I remember correctly. But what surprised me the most out of Reverend Gary Davis is not, not only his phenomenal playing and story, storytelling, but the number of people that took from him and the number of people that were famous that took from him. And I had no idea that Bob Weir actually took lessons from him, from, from the Grateful Dead. Now, we all know Yorma and Roy Bookbinder did and all that stuff, but Bob Weir, I had no idea. You know, he, does really, he doesn't show it when he plays, I guess, but, you know, they took a lot of, the Grateful Dead took a lot of Reverend Gary Davis songs. I think Death Doesn't Have No Mercy and uh, what was the other big one, Samson and Delilah, uh, so a lot of people have covered him. Dylan's done him. All kinds of people have done him. Steve, um, how about that story you told me the other day about the, when they go down in the basement of the house and his wife has come in? Oh, oh Roy, yeah, Roy, yeah. Roy tells that story, too. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he would not sing the blues. Well, he, he was a Baptist. He had that, um, he had that um, once always clause. Now, they, some of these uh, other guys that you know got religious in, in the holiness church you know once they got it they they never they never ever uh, well let me interject something just on that vein his first gig reverend gary davis's first gig was in gray court at the gray court um baptist church down there that's where he was, that's where he was yeah. born yeah lawrence lawrence south carolina we just, we just did a, a piedmont blues and roots festival in lawrence yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, you're, you're talking about one of the grandfathers of Piedmont Blues right here. Absolutely. I mean, he, he he traveled all over the East Coast and did some. I think he went into Europe. I think he went to Europe a couple of times or a few times. And I don't know if he went to California, but he definitely was all over the East Coast. Um, but, uh, yeah, t tell that story. Tell the story. I'm sorry I had to interrupt uh, that. Yeah, he... Uh he would not, his wife wouldn't let him sing the blues. So uh, she would uh, come down every once in a while and make sure that uh, you know, everything was on the up and uh, up and holy or up in the air or whatever. But uh, all these kids would try to get him to, that he was, that were taking lessons from him, would try to get him to play blues. the blues and yeah. sing them. And a funny thing about it is Stephen Grossman talks about how he wouldn't sing the blues, he would talk them. You know, so he, he wouldn't actually sing them like he did when he was younger. You know, he would play the song just like he did when he was like 20 years old, but he wouldn't sing it. He would he would say the words, but he it's like cocaine. If you've ever heard a big uh, version of him, you know, he more or less yeah. talks the lyrics. 
Yeah, that that was in its one of the songs in his. So I looked up all these guys' catalog and, and looked through the songs, and you can you can pick. Hey, that band did that. Hey, that band did this. Hey, oh, I had no idea that band did that. You know, uh, so he did just discover. When you look up these guys, you discover so much, and it's worth getting online or going to the. Hey, go to the library. You know, Absolutely. the library is still there. People, go go to it. Pick up a book. It's something about holding a book and learning from a book is just unique in itself. So, so Reverend Gary Davis um, spent, I think he moved to North Carolina after he left here. And then after that, I think he went to New Jersey or New York or wherever it was, Harlem, where it was. And uh, Roy, like like you said, Roy came up there and, and... well, you know, if, if he'd be down there in the basement playing them blues songs, as soon as his wife come down, he'd be like, switch to the to the gospel stuff. And uh, so, you know, without him, I, I don't think, I think a lot of these guys would have la- lost a little bit of inspiration. Well, I mean, what do you think about Reverend Gary Davis, Steve? I think other outside of, Woody Guthrie and Pete yep. Seeger. Yep, both them guys loved him. Uh, Reverend Gary Davis is probably the most important man in in folk music. Folk and blues, country blues history. Yeah. See, uh, yeah. he taught so many people, and yeah, and he he has so many students of students of students. Yeah. His mark uh, is still left here in yeah. Spartanburg a lot. You know, Little Pink, yeah. uh, or a uh, Big Pink. Uh, Little Pink is still playing. Pink Anderson's son, Little Pink, is in the Midwest somewhere. I talked to him this morning before I came. Did you? Yes, I did. Did you? Wow. Let's see. Now, people, now, Pink Anderson, I think, had, I think Roy, Roy talked about this when, when I went and saw Roy. Yeah, I got to see Roy in a place no bigger in the, in the spot we're in right now. And it was really cool. So, he, he's talking how he was hanging out with Pink, and Pink used to keep, he recorded one album. I think one official album, and he used to keep that album on his mantelpiece so he could look at it, you know. And and Roy was like, "Why you do that?" Now he gave him. I wish I could remember what the explanation he gave him because it it was great. It was like one of those unique, succinct things. And uh, but Roy was fond of Pink a lot. He liked Pink a lot. Which one? Roy. Roy Bookbinder. Uh, no, this was at the Grambling Opry House or oh, whatever they call You know that little bitty place that used to be Frank's? No, it used to be Frank and that girl's yeah, place. Oh, they yeah. used, it's a little place. Yeah, this is a while back. But um, I was looking up some pink stuff last night, and I found a recording of, uh, of Alvin Little Pink playing with his dad when, they oh, were wow. just, when he was just a, just a child. I got a picture of that. I do too. At Black Stella. Yeah. I, I, I like some a little. I like the little pinks. Uh, he's got a faster style than most cats do. He's 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 running that. You know he's. It's, but he doesn't play that all the time. You know he didn't fast all the time. I've listened to a few of his songs and and a lot of these guys. They're they're similar, but they have distinct, uh, separation. It's it's like you know your, your your personality coming through, and each one of these guys has a distinct personality in their songs and the way they make them. They may be similar in stride style or whatever, 
or somebody may play, play a 12 string or some another person may play like lead belly a uh, great 12 string player uh, he just couldn't stay out of trouble um, buddy Moss. <laughs> buddy Moss. so you know about buddy Moss? no I don't when she look up he's an Atlanta guy what years? What years he? he circa twenties uh, through the through the fifties. Uh, he was a contemporary so he, of uh, of, uh, of Pink Anderson, and uh, and I, I think he cut some sides with uh, Josh White from Greenville. Mm -hmm. He lived a long time. I mean, he uh, yeah. He was up in, maybe into yeah. the seventies. Yeah, there's 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 more than a few. Uh, He's a legend in Atlanta. Yeah. So Curly Weaver. Curly Weaver. Well, yeah. I, I wish we had enough time to talk. Look, when I looked up the list of everybody that contributed to the Piedmont Blues, uh, from the the teens on to like you know now, there's there's a list. It's it's probably not as long as country music or jazz or or or, or even rock, but it is quite the list, and it has some names in it. You know, names that you know. Uh, I've seen you some stuff. Well, like we didn't even touch. There's like four or five women that were doing this sort of stuff that we ain't talked about, and and maybe we can do that next time. Uh, okay. I just wanted to get the people that had the name recognition. We'll do the deep cuts later. You know, we'll pull out somebody that's real obscure or or somebody that should be in these forefronts that ain't. Um, but and, well, there's one more thing I'd like to say about Gary Davis. He. He was a big influence as far as music. They, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, "We Shall Overcome" actually came from uh, from a singing that uh, that Gary Davis did, and they yeah, they changed the world. He, he changed the words. He was he was big into the uh, um, to the civil rights fight. Well. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of these, some of these early blues tunes, you know, talk about beating, beating your woman and all this stuff, when actuality, that's about the boss man. It ain't about their woman at all. It's about how the boss man's keeping them down, how they want to beat the boss man. Well, see, they couldn't hardly say, but they wanted to beat the boss no, man. No, no, you'd have got beat yeah. yourself for saying that back in the, back in the you know, mean old days. Uh, but that's how they got away with it. And some of those uh, Underground Railroad songs, would have hidden meanings in them, you know. Like they, you may be singing something. Your your the owner or or your your boss man might think it's just something that you're saying, but it's actually telling you what star to follow, down what river to go down, and how far you got to go. I mean, they've been uh, people, any people that's been downtrodden, do stuff like that. Well, there is a there's a song that most people think is a kid song. Uh, this is popular and uh, in here in you know, the southeast, and it's called "Froggy Went a Court." Oh yeah, and that actually comes from from England, and they're talking about I forget which king it was that married the you know the the, the French girl, and uh, you know, it, it, it was a protest song about the king, but you know you couldn't and. Uh, no, you could without getting your head lopped off, you know. <laughs> so yeah, you, you kind of disguise. Pink did that song. Yeah, he frog, frog went court. Pink yeah. did that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, uh, it. And you're talking about, you know, with the, these meanings and things. Have you ever heard 
term, Ofe. That's a that's a New Orleans term, isn't it? Ofe. That means the old, the old white lady. Uh, okay. But that, they couldn't say that. No, no, no. Uh, it, it's it's can, a shame. Can we? <laughs> I don't know. We no. just did it. We'll find out. I'll edit that out. You guys won't, won't even be in it. You know, we don't edit this show at all. So I just, shit. No, we don't, we don't edit shot. No, we don't. So, all right, this is our last little bit right here. Uh, this is going to be our, we're going to get you to close us out right here. So I'm going to get you to do three songs on this end, okay? Yeah. Is that cool? Sure. And, and, and we'll, we're going to get you to play us out. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steve Magaha and Mr. Freddie Vandiford are going to play three for you, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks to Tommy and the New Way Lounge in Spartanburg, South Carolina, for letting us entertain you today. And thank you, Rocco. Hey, I appreciate it. in my hand Looking for a woman who's just looking for a man Tell me how long Do I got away Can I get you now Or must I hesitate Well, a nickel is a nickel Dime be a dime I got a house full of children Ain't there one of them mine Tell me how long Get you now, or must I hesitate? Says in God we trust. Man wants a woman, gotta see a dollar first. Tell me how long do I gotta wait? Can I get you now? Or must I hesitate? Well, I ain't ever been to heaven. I've been told. St. Peter taught the angels how to do that sweet jelly roll. Tell me how long do I got away? Can I get you now? Or must I hesitate? Son, I make you feel better till that doctor man comes. Tell me how long 
preaching now, or must I hesitate? I'm a standing on the corner with a dollar in my hand Looking for a woman, dude, just looking for a man Tell me how long do I got away? Can I get you now or must I hesitate? Okay. Steve, that was great. For Freddie, yeah. you guys are killing it. I just wanted to pop in and say that. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Having fun. See? Folks, I want to tell you about this man named Bloom. He came up from New Orleans. You know, he made his living by stealing chickens and most anything he could see. Doggone fool, he ran so fast, you know his feet did never touch the road. And if a freight train passed, no matter how fast, he could always get on board. He was a traveling man, yes he was a traveling man. Traveling is a man that ever was in this land. God knows he was traveling, he was known for miles around. And he never got caught and he never give up till the police shot him down. Well, old Bloomy was on that Titanic ship when it was sinking low. He was standing outside the railing, he had his head bowed way down low. People that saw him jump overboard said, Looky under at that fool. But 20 minutes later, I swear to God, he was shooting craps in Liverpool. He was a he was a traveling man, yes he was a traveling man, traveling is a man that ever was in this land. God knows he was traveling, he was known for miles around, and he never got caught, never give up till the police shot him down, bed friend. himself a pail of water. You know, the distance that he had to go was about three miles and a quarter. He went to the well, he filled up his bucket, he stumbled and he fell down. He went back to the house and he got another bucket and he caught that water, poured it in the ground. He was a 
He was a traveling man, yes he was a traveling man. Traveling this man that ever was in this land. God knows he would travel and he was known for miles around. And he never got caught and he never give up till the police shot him down. Play it again, Fred. Steve, who wrote that song? Is that one of yours? Uh, nobody knows. Ah. That was popular all through the South. Uh, Pink did a Pink Anderson did a version of it. Um, um, Doc Watson did a version of it. It was just. Um, oh, let me let me let me talk about Doc Watson for a second. Uh, Doc is probably one of my favorite folk artists by far. Uh, I'm not a guy who's big political stuff, so I'm not really into Pete Seeger. I'm into some, like a couple few of his songs, but not really big into all that. Uh, I like, um, you know, feel-good songs, and, and I like songs with hidden meaning. So, so if it is political, I like it when it doesn't, mean, doesn't sound political, you know. But uh, I was at Merle Fest, and this is before he passed away. And I was at the Guild's, Guild uh, Guitar Place, you know. They, they had that big tent where all the acoustics are and all that. So I was sitting there, and I was talking to the Guild guy, and he was telling me how the inside of a guitar will crystallize over time as it's being played. That it petrifies itself on the inside. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, if you get a microscope, you can see the, you know, you can see it crystallizing up. And as I was turning around, right there, no, no foot away from me, Doc Watson with his entourage. I mean, I could, if I'd have... I'd have turned around real fast. I might have bumped into him, and it was. I was like, I, I, I wanted to say something, but it's one of those times, you know, when you're like, uh, uh, uh. But I, I just want to interject that man because Merle Fest was really cool. I don't know. Do they still do it? I think they still do it, right? Yeah. Uh, Maybe with COVID, they hadn't done it a couple times or something. I, yeah, I played at Merle Fest five times with a with a friend of mine. We did uh, a kids show. Let's, let, this is a song that uh, uh, that, I, that I actually saw Doc play in his living room, um, and it was uh, his uh, mentor, uh, whose name leaves me right now, but he learned it from a... Uh, well, he's a, a Reverend Gary Davis guy, too. He yeah. was a big influence in, in Doc's life. He learned it from a, a, a black railroad worker. Uh, uh, before Steve you go, 
before you guys get started, I'm going to go ahead and say, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, they're going to play us out, so we'll see you next time on uh, Sparkle City Sessions, brought to you by Hub City Music Society. But I don't